0: Pleased to know I'm not going to speak for very long tonight. Um, at least it'll be fairly simple, I think. Even though there's a lot of passage to get through. So we're in Acts chapter 21, and 22 is the the main reference, and it's Paul's testimony. Um, let me start with a story. This happened to me a few years back. I don't think I've told this story here, but it's a good enough story to tell twice anyway. I was. Um, invited by a Muslim friend of mine to a Muslim outreach meeting in Melbourne. We went out to Broadmeadows. I don't know if anyone has any sense of Broadmeadows, but it's a—it's um, like going to somewhere like Rudy Hill or somewhere like that. And it's a big Muslim area, 60, 70% Muslim. Uh, there was a meeting that was put on in town hall. They'd wheeled in an American Muslim speaker and his job was to try and explain Islam to people and ask them to convert. Um, I didn't sort of quite know that. I was just invited along to hear a talk on Islam, so I went along with my friend. and got there. We were in the Broadmeadows Town Hall, and there was me and maybe 500 Muslim men in the main area. The women up the top. Uh, the guy started talking. He talked for about an hour, really just trying to prove to people that God existed. And then at the end of that hour, he said, he asked the question, "Now, is there anyone here who is not a Muslim?" Now, I thought, well, it's not really what I signed up for. I'm just here to observe. But my friends knew that I was was not a Muslim, and so I put up my hand. I looked around. There were 10 hands that went up. And then the guy said, if you're not a Muslim, but if you don't believe in God, put your hand down. So if you're not a Muslim but do believe in God, keep your hand up. And five hands went down, so then there were just five of us. And then he said, right, I'd like you to come up the front. And so I put five chairs up on the stage. And I was in the last chair. Um, and he said, now he hadn't really talked about Muhammad to this point, but he said to the first guy, um, do you believe that Muhammad is a prophet? And the, that guy said, yes. said to the second guy, do you believe that Muhammad's a prophet? And he said, yes. third guy said, yes. Yeah. fourth guy said, yes. So I'm about to be the only guy in the room going to deny that Muhammad was a prophet. Um, Now, I'm going to pause that story here. (laughs) I'll I'll come back to it. But I'm just wondering whether um, you two have ever been sort of thrown into a witnessing situation um, unprepared. Not necessarily quite that dramatic or um, maybe with stakes that are that high, but have you found yourself unexpectedly called to speak? Or maybe even just, you're in this opportunity to speak, you're speaking with someone and you just afterwards just think, yeah, I could have made better use of that. Or I really wish, go well afterwards, I wish I'd said that. Or when the people are plugging you with questions, yeah, I wish I'd said that answer. Um, wondering whether you've also ever been in a situation where you've done training to be the two girls that talk to Anne training to do, hands up if you've ever been trained to do a tract like a bridge to life or two ways to live right? and then you had to go out, you were the girls going out on the street or door knocking keep your hands up if you loved it if that's your favourite thing ever some people do, some people are great at it um, I did not love that. Um, who relishes the thought of being exposed as a Christian at work, or like it's tricky? But Jesus said in Mark thirteen, the reading we just had, and this is in a section where um, Mark thirteen is sort of this bit where he's prophesying. This is what it's going to be like, guys, for the rest of the age, until I come back, and he says, be on your guard, you'll be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you'll stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. But whenever you're arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given to you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you noticed, but there's this sort of weird little tension in this passage. It says, be prepared, be on your guard. This is going to happen. Some of you, not everyone, but unexpectedly, you might be called to stand up and be my witness. Particularly even to authorities, hostile authorities. Be ready for that. Um, That's verse 9. But then in verse 11 it says, but don't worry about, like don't. Be on guard and then don't worry about it. I'll just give you the words to say. Um, I don't think... My translation literally says don't worry, but I think it's not the Australian version of don't worry, which is just forget about it. In Greek, it's literally don't be anxious about it. Don't panic about it. God will give you words at the time. Um, But still, be prepared. Like, get ready. And what we have in Acts is you have Paul exactly, literally having that situation where he's called to give a testimony to the authorities, to hostile authorities. And so I think it's worth just picking up a few tips from him about what it would look like to be prepared to do that. Um, First thing to notice is that Paul already was sort of on guard. He knew that he was going to have to, that he would be arrested and be called to account. Um, if you look back in chapter 20, this is Paul saying goodbye to the Ephesians a bit earlier on, and he said, and now I'm I'm, I'm on my way, this is in verse 22, now I'm on on my way to Jerusalem, compelled by the Spirit, not knowing what I will encounter there, except that in every town the Holy Spirit warns me that change and afflictions are waiting for me. But I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish my course and the ministry I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. Um, and this keeps going on in, in the rest, in sort of earlier in chapter 21 too, people, prophets saying to him, you go to Jerusalem, you're going to get arrested. Um, so he was, in a sense, going in there, eyes open. He knew that he was in a hostile situation and that he would have to speak. Um, and I think our maybe not so much in the mountains, but in a lot of Australia, the hostile... Things are more and more hostile. Um, authorities are becoming more and more hostile. I don't know if you saw it. It was, in, I think, saw it on the ABC earlier in the week that there was some sort of um, LGBTI protest, or not protest, like celebration march, thing, in a public park in Queensland, and local residents um, leafleted the area and said, we, we don't want this in this park. Not because we're anti um, that community, but this is a kids' playground and we don't want our kids, we're sick of the hypersexualization of really little kids. That was actually the point. It was about speaking out against hypersexualisation. Um, and then the ABC and the government cracked down on them. That was considered a hate speech for wanting to protect kids. That's where we're in a context. Even that happened to Paul here too. Like People were saying untrue things about him. They were making up lies. Um, but he was more and more hostile. It was an angry crowd that he had to speak to. And crowds are, getting, crowds are getting angrier in our world. And then the first sort of tip we learn from Paul, I think, is just his posture, and his posture really matters. There was no entitlement to his posture. And I think the best word I want to use for it is that he was just really gentle. Um, So despite the fact that he was this crowd that was so violent that they had to call in, they were trying to kill him, they had to call in the army to prevent him, and even the army was sort of having to carry him to get him through the crowds. Uh, Despite that, the first thing he says is um, it's just sort of really gentle, says the commander, am I allowed to say something to you? (laughs) Um, I don't know whether polite's the right word, but he certainly, there's no demands. Um, Am I allowed to speak? And then even a few verses later on he said, um, can you please let me speak to the people? Um, His dealings were respectful, and then by the I not if you notice too, but by the time we get to the end, so after he does his speech, the crowd get angry again. Um, and the commander, who doesn't really know how to handle it, doesn't understand what's going on, said, throws him in the barracks and says, right, I want you to flog this guy to, so we can work out what on earth's going on here. Um, and so literally, as he's being tied up to be flogged um, and have his flesh torn off him, he's still sort of quiet and respectful and says... Um, Is it legal for you to do this? Um, He never sort of loses his temper. Like he always... I'm sure there was some passion in it, probably more passion than I just said, but he never loses his temper. He never gets angry at people, never yells. Um, I think it was really interesting a couple of years back when Andrew Thorburn, who was a Christian, who was, um, you may remember, he was given the job of president of the Essendon Football Club down in Melbourne. And 24 hours later, he was sacked because the media had found out that he went to a church um, that had a particular position on marriage. And so even just by guilt of association, he was sacked 24 hours later. And it was just lovely, actually, the way that, despite the fact that the media were just pounding him um, for being a bigot, he was just gentle and quiet all the way through, never lost his temper you um, sort of contrast that with other public figures. I, mean, I know Trump's low-hanging fruit, but here's an example of someone whose response is always, I'm going to fight back, I'm going to be angry, I'm going to get you. Um, but there's none of that, none of that Andrew Thorburn, none of that in Paul. It was gentle, it was respectful, even though he was literally being tied to the rack. Um, and your posture matters, there's all, I don't know if you follow Christian blogs, but in the blogosphere, there's always the sort of discussions about in the culture wars, um, stop trying to be winsome. No one cares about us being winsome. No one's going to be convinced by our niceness. Um, and maybe that's true, but our niceness isn't a tactic. Like, we don't really care whether we're going to win or not by being gentle and, by being, and not losing our temper. Um, that's just our character. So we're called to keep our character. And you see Paul doing it. Um, it's not expedient to do that, but um, that's who we are. And it matters. So he kept his temper, his posture was gentle. Um, and when he got the chance to speak, what he gave was his testimony. And we already heard a testimony um, and, as Ann said, it was brilliant, totally lines up with what i 'm going to say um, he You get a choice, right? You get a choice which bits you're going to drop into the story, and that's pretty instructive too, which bits he chose to use at this time of his story, and he sort of there are sort of roughly three bits of it, and the first bit is um, that he sort of connects with the audience, so he tells it in a way that's at least attempts to get them on board a bit. So he starts off saying, guys, I'm a Jew. So this is in chapter 22, verse 3. I'm a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, brought up in a city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the law of our ancestors. I was zealous for God, just as all of you are today. Like, I'm one of you, or at least I was one of you. Um, That's his first thing. And then the second thing is he sort of gets to the weird bit, again, as I talked about. Um, So there's some sense of trying to make a connection, but then quickly he gets to the... But this is the crux. This is the stuff that blew me away and changed me. And so he talked about his conversion experience and... um, Verse 6, as I was traveling and approaching Damascus, about noon, an intense light from heaven suddenly flashed around me. I fell to the ground, heard a voice saying to me, Saul so, soul, why are you persecuting me. And then goes on to tell the, that, that story. Um, so he makes a connection with your story, but he quickly moves. To, but this is the amazing, weird, brilliant, fantastic stuff. This is why I think it's true. Um, but then the most fascinating bit to me, I think, is the next bit. Or at least where he lands it. So he's telling a story, and it's his story, but he sort of builds a bit of a bite into it. Um, so it's not a sermon. It's the great thing about testimonies. It's not preachy, it's not a sermon, but the, he chooses to tell a bit of his story that would co- actually confront them with a choice. And he f- finishes up with the story of Stephen being martyred and how he was one of the people that was there. Um, Verse 19, I said, Lord, they know that in synagogue after synagogue, I had those who believed in you imprisoned and beaten. And when the blood of your witness Stephen was being shed, I stood there giving approval and guarding the clothes of those who killed him. So he chose to bring up, because remember, he's back in Jerusalem. This happened in Jerusalem. He said, yeah, you know, when you killed Stephen, or when we killed Stephen, I was there. And that's when they lose their temper again and want to kill him again because he's confronting them again with a choice and to face their complicity in that. still just his story. At at no point does he actually say, this was you, but he's he's deliberately telling his testimony in a way that brings them face-to-face with a choice they're going to have to make about Jesus. It's great. And that's the cool thing about testimonies. Um, they get a hearing. They're interesting because they're your story. It's fascinating, this, you know, last week, um, maybe on your feed, but Ayan Ursi who is a former Muslim and then one of the celebrity atheists, just published an article this week which is called Why I'm Now a Christian. Actually sort of in not response to exactly, but for, her becoming a uh, atheist was in large part due to reading an article by Bertrand Russell from like the 1930s, which was why I'm not a Christian, you now that she's become a Christian. She wrote another article. And that's fascinating. It's gone around the world. Um, people are fascinated by it because it's a story. Again, not preachy. She's just saying, this is what I believe. This is what's happened for me. And that's the cool thing about testimonies. They are interesting and they do connect with people. It's also helpful to use testimonies because in the contemporary um, truth culture, Mm -hmm. your story, like, your truth is your truth. Like, if there's one truth you're allowed to have, you're allowed to tell your story. Um, And people won't say that it's not true. They might not agree with it. They might not like it. it. Might make them angry. But they'll at least agree with your right to have your story. So you certainly have the right to tell your story. Um, another cool thing about testimonies is is that you're an expert on you Um, and like Anne said before again I didn't talk to Anne before, she's prepped it there's so much stuff, like it's just your story, you can tell it with no preparation Um, and there's so much material that you can bring out in your stories and you totally know what it is. Like particularly if you are someone who came to faith in a moment, um, you'll know that and you'll be able to tell about it. Might not be super articulate, it doesn't matter, but you're, you're an expert in your story. Um, so it brings me back to Mark chapter 13, and this is really the suggestion on the, the ending. Is remember, we've got this tension here about be on guard. But don't worry too much about it. I think testimony is great because it's something you don't have to worry too much about. You'll be able to tell your story when the time comes. But it's still worth thinking a bit about it. Particularly thinking about given who I'm speaking to, what what will be the bit that will connect with them? Um, what will be the, the amazing bit I can tell them? And, and what's the sting in the tail? What can I, how can I tell my story in a way that's going to challenge them, push them? Um, just going back to Broad Meadows, when I was put up on stage, he um, got to me and he said, do you believe in Muhammad's a prophet? And I said, no, <laughs> I don't. And it was interesting, there was murmuring in the room, um, but he said something like, It's okay, Um, he's on his faith journey, he didn't use that term, but that was a gist. Um, People need to find out truth at their own pace, and then they gave me a show bag that had like a Quran and DVDs in it. And then afterwards I was surrounded by at least a dozen, maybe more, guys who were just sort of pounding me with questions and discussions and debates. I look back on that and I haven't got a clue whether anything I said was brilliant. I certainly wasn't prepared for it and there was nothing I could have done to prepare beforehand because it was so unexpected. Um, But the Holy Spirit, I think the most important thing the Holy Spirit gives you in that moment is just the courage to stand, not clever words or winning words or um, Paul didn't win that argument but the Holy Spirit allowed him to just tell his story. Um, having said all that, I think you can practice your stories. And um, can I suggest one really cool place that has a, sort of a few benefits, actually, is um, something we've always done whenever we've been in a, a new home group is that we've gone around and everyone's told their story. In um, fact, One group... It took us two months, more than two months, because we just did one a night. We sort of did the long version of our story. But can I just encourage you as a community to just get used to telling your faith story, um, but even think a bit about, okay, what are the bits in it that would have a sting in the tail for people? So just practice it. Um, and I agree with Ray. The more, more the better, the more we are telling stories. Because so, again, are so many elements to your story. There's no end to the ways that you can be testifying about how God's been at work in your life. So be on guard, but don't worry too much about it. Um, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you um, that this room is full of stories. So many faith stories, people who have known you for many years, people who have come to faith recently, faith stories even here of people who um, are exploring you or um, haven't yet met you. But we do pray, Lord, that we'd be ready to tell our story when the time comes, Um, whether it's in a hostile situation or even in a friendly uh, situation. Um, situation and particularly Lord we do pray that when we are hauled before, um, unexpectedly before a hostile audience that you would give us courage to speak and you would give us those words and that we would boldly tell our story. Um, not for our glory but for Jesus' glory and we pray that in his name. Amen.